Hello, everybody. Welcome to our latest podcast. Today, it's me, Duncan Williams, and my colleague, John Newsom. Good morning. Today, we are going to do something slightly different. We'll have a quick resume of what's happened, which isn't a lot over the last couple of weeks in the economy, stock markets. But we were going to uh, review a, a portfolio for a client who transferred to us some time ago. So we'll, we'll be doing something a bit different. Uh, first of all, let's move on to the economy. The UK economy, it definitely appears to be that clothing, takeaways, eating out seem to be being hit hard in some of the latest figures. And that, I think, is, is slightly concerning, really. Well, it's that pesky inflation, isn't it? It's a bit like herding cats. And this is the reason why all these central banks who've allowed it to explode, they all thought that their models worked when they clearly didn't. The problem with inflation is once it's out of the box, it's very, very difficult to get it back in. And I think you're seeing that now. My gut instinct says that Western style economies are now more prone to inflation than they were and uh, that is going to be an issue with regard to hitting inflation targets and um, i have a feeling that every now and again there's going to be a little inflationary spike it could be what's happening in the red sea for example you've seen so much shipping now diverted round cape of good hope but I saw some research that said that that takes, if you're coming to Europe or, or to the States, that adds another nine days to that trip. And on average, about a million dollars of fuel per ship. So all that is inflationary. I suspect that what we're now looking at are economies that are carrying way too much debt and they are now more prone to inflation. So the job is going to get that little bit more difficult. So interest rates are likely to stay that little bit higher. Bank of England last week reported that there had been a surge in mortgage defaults and missed payments on credit cards. And if you were hoping interest rates were going to go down, so John's favourite event, Davos, took place last week, uh, where economic big hitters and world leaders gather for a week of chatting uh, about where about themselves, about themselves yet yeah, and where they see everything going. Christine Lagarde, who is the president of the ECB, as most people know, was asked at Davos the direction of interest rates this year, in particular when the European Central Bank would start reducing interest rates. She was non-committal about interest rates falling this year, and that's why we saw the, the stock market having a little bit of a uh, a fall last week. So watch this space. I think it's a general rule of thumb. If you walk in the opposite direction to anything that comes out of Davos and the kind of people who go there, you won't be too far away from the truth. Has their vision of the future come anywhere near coming correct over the past kind of decade or so? It's a talking shop of folks who increasingly feel that they can direct the economic course of the world. But as we can see, it didn't really pan out that way. And, and really, I think if you had a shred of humility, instead of having these meetings in a place like Davos, uh, wouldn't you have them in a place like, oh, I don't know, Scunthorpe or Stuttgart or just an ordinary place? But of course, the World Economic Forum crowd have to do it in an upmarket ski resort.
At the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that we were going to review a portfolio. And we were asked some time ago by a private client to give a second opinion of an investment portfolio, which has been managed by one of the national firms uh, now for quite a few years. So let's have a look under the bonnet and we'll give you our opinion. So firstly, people who have been listening to this podcast know, and we've said it on many occasions, that we manage portfolios for clients on exactly the same basis as we manage for clients and vice versa. So firstly, the objectives of the client have to be very similar to our own. And this the investment portfolio we're going to talk about here is one which is set up as a, a long-term um, nest egg. At this juncture, I think it's worth pointing out that whilst the regulator insists that certain information has to be included on valuations, some firms overcomplicate it. And this is one where I believe it is overcomplicated. We've got all sorts of nice pie charts and graphs and things, various benchmarks, which in my opinion are, are unnecessary and as necessary information which is missing. Our portfolio's valuations are very straightforward. I believe, firstly, the letter which accompanies all valuations states what the value of the portfolio is as at the date of the valuation and as at the date of the previous valuation. So you can immediately see A, your current value, and B, what it's done since the last valuation. The key information to me is the price of individual investments, how much you paid for it, what it's worth now, whether there's a gain or loss, and the income which it produces. This particular valuation does not have gain and loss. I, I mean, I'm not sure why that isn't a regulatory requirement, because to me, it's it's vitally important. So when we start to look into this further, another thing which I think is, is strange is that the page is spent detailing the geographical spread I don't know about you, John, but I mean, geographical spreads, I mean, yes, if you buy a Japanese investment trust, you've got money invested in Japan. But equally, if you buy Unilever, it's not 100% UK business. 50% of it is derived from Far East. Yeah, it's only delivering a certain amount of information. I mean, if to use Unilever as, as the example, it's an Anglo-Dutch business. But the amount of business that it does in the Netherlands or in the UK uh, is is very small beer. So I don't think these kind of pie charts really. If you own a Japanese business, Honda, for example, how much business does Honda do in Japan? It's merely an accident that Honda happens to be a Japanese business. So I don't think a lot of that kind of stuff that you see really conveys anything or very much of, uh, of use. So that's one page we've eliminated from this thick valuation. So the most notable thing here is that there is an awful lot of exchange-traded funds and iShares, that sort of thing. We don't buy any of those. We prefer to buy either unitized funds or investment trusts, which invest in the underlying companies' shares. Yeah, some of these ETFs, they're synthetic, meaning that they don't act 
actually own the underlying investments because they've got derivatives or, or whatever else. Some of them do actually own them. And the other thing, which again, I find quite amazing, is the actual split of the investments. The biggest investment has 25% of the portfolio, and one of the investments has sub 1%. When you look at our portfolios, I feel that they're structured an awful lot better than that. Yeah, I think looking at this portfolio here, I think it's an exercise. It's like so much of, of the kind of portfolios that we see come in from these kind of sources. Uh, it's an exercise in ultimately not making a decision. It's a bit of this, a bit of that. We own the investments that we own because we really want to own them. We don't put a bit of everything in there to try and avoid making an overall decision. It's an exercise, in my opinion, in painting by numbers in order to put so much stuff in there that they can always say, well, that went up and I know that went down, but there is no real wanting of these investments. It's an exercise to generalise in not making decisions rather than making decisions. It's almost as if they buy complicated products in order to disincentivize the client from actually taking any interest in what they've got. We've said this many times before, um, we all know what Nestle does. There's no Nestle here, but there are things like an MSCI, uh, USA Social A ETF. So I've done the job for 36 years. I mean, I can work out that it's an American fund, and I can also work out that it's probably some kind of ESG slant to it. But it doesn't tell the layman what that is, whereas Nestle, Heineken, you know what it is. Well, perhaps that's the intention, Duncan. And to use the example that you've just used, the word social, I've lost interest already. Are we investing or are we trying to save the world? So thankfully, this portfolio is now heading in the right direction. With humility, yes. We, uh, we've restructured it as we would want it, as we would invest our own money. So the portfolio is now in a shape that we feel much more comfortable with and uh, is one that we can now have faith in uh, as much as one ever can, that over the next five to ten years, it can deliver the kind of returns that we feel are possible without taking excess amounts of risk. And... Hopefully the client will be able to understand the quarterly valuations we send to them, not only from a point of view of the type of investments, they will recognise some of the names, etc., if not all of the names, but also the fact that there is less information on the portfolio valuation, but it's more precise. It tells you exactly what you need to know and should increase their confidence in their ultimate goal of their nest egg sitting there increasing at a a greater rate than inflation in the long run and we are a relatively small organization and if the client wants to come into the office wants to, to ring up discuss the valuation further understand better what's in their portfolio they are more than welcome to get in touch and we can have a a discussion and answer any questions they may have So 
thank you for joining us today. Um, and I hope you found this interesting. We have talked only a very little bit about the economy. We've reviewed a portfolio. If anyone out there would like a second opinion of their portfolio, please do not hesitate to contact us. And hopefully you will hear our next podcast in a few more weeks' time. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.